Today we begin with the original, self-proclaimed greatest of all time. We discover that he may well have had an unknown influence on our modern-day linguistics. We ponder the origin of a word, and I tell you one of the most amazing, and yet not talked about, sports records of all time, all on the way to answering the question, does God love a goat? Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast that explores questions of faith, spirituality, and religion. I'm Dan Matthews, and I don't have all the answers, but I do enjoy the questions. Welcome to the podcast where every question is an invitation into a spiritual quest, and you're invited along for the journey. Okay, before we get started, please be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you get notified of each new episode, and check out my videos on YouTube. And be sure to share them all with a friend. There's no income stream to doing these, so there is absolutely no advertising budget. Literally, the way somebody discovers these is through someone like you telling them about them. Okay, back to the question, does God love a goat? Now, I don't know how long the word goat has been around in the way that we're talking about it today. Some of those who've tried to trace the origin of this phrase turned into a word suspect that it originated with none other than the boxer Muhammad Ali. As I'm sure you remember, if you're old enough or you've watched old newsreels, he was known to have called himself the greatest of all time. It was one of his many famous quotes, actually, and he said it the first time I know of after beating Sonny Liston. Ali having been a seven-to-one underdog in that fight. And it was the point at which Ali really exploded into public awareness. Immediately following the fight, he said this. Told you all that I was the greatest of all time. There he goes. I told you I was the greatest of all time. One theory is that after Ali called himself the greatest of all time, then some writers attempting to take his own phrase and belittle him and make him look silly turned greatest of all time into the acronym GOAT. In 1992, his wife took the word GOAT and created a corporation under that name under which she could manage and license his intellectual properties. And it is difficult to find the word in much use before Muhammad Ali. Wherever it started, the word GOAT, short again for greatest of all time, has certainly become very popular as of late. There's been a lot of debate around this word, who it should describe in regards to, say, the NBA. For a while, Michael Jordan seemed to be the permanently named king, seemed to have been given the crown as the GOAT. Now LeBron James is getting an increasing amount of attention, and there's some debate as to which of them should be called the GOAT. But the use of the word in print, on television, and in sports circles, certainly, has truly reached a fevered pitch with Tom Brady leading his team to victory in this year's Super Bowl. More than any other sport right now that we follow, at least in America, Tom Brady is probably the consensus candidate to be called the undisputed GOAT for his team. I will admit, I'm always troubled by the idea that we can crown anyone as the greatest of all time. One significant problem for me is that there seems to be a temporal bias that is baked into almost any discussion of this sort. Quick, what's the greatest college football team of all time? 
Now, you may not be interested in sports at all. You may not have any team to name off the top of your head. So I will offer you the most common answers. You'll probably hear people name the 2001 Miami Hurricanes, Nebraska Cornhuskers, either the 71 or the 95 team. The USC Trojans, you got two choices there too, either the 72 or the 2014. Clemson, 2018. LSU, 2019. The 1979 Alabama team, and the 2005 Texas Longhorns. Now, here's what's interesting to me. These are arguably all teams that would consistently be rated in the greatest collegiate football teams of all time. All of them fall within the memory of my lifetime. And this isn't my list. This is an amalgamation of expert lists I found on the internet. Because people who create such lists are predisposed to see the era in which they live as the most important. Interestingly, I read a book by Karen Armstrong a number of years ago, and she says that this mentality is a fairly recent viewpoint. Prior to the Industrial Revolution, the more likely viewpoint was that the people of the past handed down their knowledge and the current generation's goal, matter of fact, the current generation's very moral obligation was to ensure that all of that knowledge got handed on to the next generation and future generations. It wasn't believed that the best was yet to come, but that the best and the most precious had been given to them by their ancestors. Okay, as an aside, and for a bit of trivia, and also to make my point, I want to share an unusual sports story with you. I attended a university, although it is not known for its competitive sports program, it has one of the most remarkable sports stories of all time associated with it. The school is the University of the South, but it's pretty universally known by the name of the town in which it resides, so most people just know the school as Suwannee. In 1899, they were scheduled to play football against their traditional rival, Vanderbilt University. Unfortunately, there arose a disagreement between the two schools as to how they were to split the gate receipts, and it became acrimonious enough so that the game between the two of them was canceled. This left my school's football team in a difficult position. They had desperately needed the money to help them support and continue the program. The manager, Luke Lee, whose name sounds like the mild-mannered alter ego of a Marvel comic book superhero, put together a road trip for the football team. They would travel a total of 2,500 miles. Remember, this is 1899. 2,500 miles by train, and in six days, play five different football teams. It began on November 9th of that year, and they traveled to Austin, Texas, where they played the University of Texas. They boarded a train immediately following the game and moved on to play Texas A&M the next day, followed by Tulane the following day. They took a single day off in the middle of this road trip before finishing with LSU on the 13th and Ole Miss on the 14th. The Suwannee Tigers completed this remarkable road trip, having outscored their opponents 91 to nothing. As a matter of fact, this football team only had 13 players in total make the trip. They finished the season 12 and 0. And the only team that scored on them in that entire season was Auburn, who was at that point 
coached by John Heisman, after whom the Heisman Trophy was named. I have a poster that celebrates the achievement of this remarkable team, and it says, In six days, Sewanee beat Texas, Texas A&M, Tulane, LSU, and Old Miss. And on the seventh day, they rested. So why aren't the 1899 Sewanee Tigers listed amongst the greatest of all time? Well, because they were then, and we are now. So it is a flawed system trying to figure out who is the GOAT, but it's flawed in an even more important way than that. The problem with naming someone the GOAT is not that we are appreciating their accomplishments, but naming them the absolute best diminishes the accomplishments of everyone else. When we sit around and debate who's the best, we're not spending time noticing the other players, the other people who are making remarkable accomplishments. The very process of debating who is the GOAT is by its very nature saying there is really only one person of supreme value and everyone else is an also-ran. For those of us who follow Christ, there just wasn't much interest on his behalf in figuring out who the various goats were in the world around him. And by not much, I mean absolutely none at all. Okay, I started today with Muhammad Ali and a quote from him. So let me offer you another quote by Ali. Ali said, The service you do for others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. And that's pretty consistent with what Jesus had to say on the matter as well. I don't know if you remember the story, but the mother of two of the disciples came and asked Jesus to declare that the number one and two spots in his kingdom would belong to her two sons. She was trying to ensure that at least one of her sons got the goat position that would be at Jesus's right hand, and the other son would at least get the second best position. The story makes it clear that she asked this of Jesus with her sons standing right next to her, because as she asked the questions, he turns to them and asks them something, and they are obviously standing there. When the other ten disciples found out about it, they were furious. Now, let's be clear. They weren't furious that the brothers had been so presumptuous. They were furious because they were worried they had just missed out on the opportunity to be named the favorite, the line leader, the goat themselves. Okay, let's jump into the Gospel of Matthew and hear the rest of the story. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones are tyrants over them. It will not be so among you. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The Roman emperors under whom the Israelites found themselves oppressed at the time of Jesus were often declared goat. Actually, they didn't use that term. They preferred an even stronger word, God. To be the greatest was to have yourself literally declared a God, a deity for other people to worship. 
which is, in truth, the danger we all face when being declared GOAT is really our goal. Jesus turns to his disciples and tells them the mark of greatness in his kingdom is not to be famous, rich, powerful, or goat. You are truly great in the kingdom of God when you are the servant of all people. Don't try to be first, best line leader, or goat. Strive to be the servant of all people. Which, by the way, if you're really into acronyms, is SOAP. I don't know if that's going to catch on. Let me say just a bit more about this, because there really is good news here. I don't know how to figure out who is truly the GOAT anyway, but if you're interested in the position, there is only one, which makes your chance of being GOAT at anything roughly about 1 in 7.5 billion. So stop to consider those odds. And you, oh, wait a minute. Hang on. I'm, okay, I was wrong on that because that is one in the entire population of the world living right now. But the truth is, that's only competing against the people who are alive today. But if we're talking about holding the title of greatest of all time, so those odds are actually one in 107 billion. So good luck with that quest. But anyone can be a servant. There can be lots of servants. Matter of fact, you can begin with that process right now. No one has to lose. You can immediately start living in a way that genuinely pleases God. No special skill is required. And that is the irony of this conundrum. Strive to win, and you are destined to lose. Give up on winning. Focus on serving, and you're guaranteed to win without having even tried. That's all for today. You can find me on Facebook, YouTube. Just search for SkyPilot FaithQuest. And if you want to get in touch with me, my email address is dan at skypilot.zone. That's S-K-Y-P-I-L-O-T dot zone. As always, I'd love to hear from you. And on your spiritual journey, may you ask questions, seek answers, and boldly go wherever the quest takes you. Thanks for listening to Sky Pilot Faith Quest. I invite you to send me a question or leave a review. And remember... The sign of a strong faith, solid religion, or healthy spiritual journey is not certainty, but that you keep asking questions.